I absolutely do. Because by the time I was born, this thief had already stolen my parents' hopes and dreams. And he was feverishly working to kill those dreams, to kill their marriage, and to destroy this young family. I don't know when it happened, but my father became an alcoholic and a drug addict. Puerto Rican Bacardi rum was his drink of choice. And his drinking had become so severe that it had already started eating a hole in his esophagus. Friends of his at that time would tell the story that, that Juan Rivera Sr., you'd see him coughing up blood and yet just a moment later grabbing the bottle again and continuing his drinking binge. And even after spitting up blood, he would grab the bottle located by his bed on the nightstand to start and end the day if and when he started or ended the day in his own home. And you know what they say, once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. Some people also say once an addict, always an addict. Maybe the same is true for other things in life. Maybe you feel like there's somebody in your world that they're a liar, they've always been a liar, and you feel like they're always going to be a liar or a cheat or no good. But this seemed to be true for my dad. Once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. And it seemed like this thief that we read about in John 10, 10 was winning. He was not only winning in my father's life, but he was winning in his marriage and he was winning with this family. As my mother was getting ready to make the decision to leave my dad, she had had enough. And this thief was killing, was stealing, and was destroying. Yet the Bible says in that same verse that Jesus came so that people like my dad and mom and all around the world can have life, and not just life, but life more abundantly. Because Jesus doesn't just want you to survive, he wants you to thrive in life. But my family was experiencing anything but that abundant life. Why? Why is it that most people are not experiencing that abundant life, that plan, that wonderful plan that God has for their life? It's because of this second point that I want you to write down. There's number two. It's because man is sinful and separated from God. Therefore, he cannot know or experience God's love and plan for their life. Man is sinful, separated from God. And can I tell you, friend, that that is not only bad news, but it's a problem. Because see, we need to understand that it's not just you or me at our worst that's the problem. It's even us at our best that's the problem. Because our sin, it's not only what we've done that separates us from God, that's our sin, but what we are, a sinner, that separates us from God. 
And the bad news is, is that every man, every woman, every boy, every girl born on planet Earth is born a sinner. We're born eternally separated from a holy and just God because of who we are, what we are, a sinner separated from God. And therefore, we cannot know or experience that love and plan of God for our life. And the truth is that no one can claim that they've been good enough or loving enough or generous enough or righteous enough or religious enough to earn right standing with God. The Bible says in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That includes all of us. This is not just an American problem. This is a worldwide epidemic that from the continent of Africa and Australia and throughout Asia and the Middle East and North America and South and Latin America and Central America, humanity is lost and broken at its core. We're born separated from God. We're born sinful. And and that's important because you might say, well, I'm not an entirely bad person. I'm kind of moral. I do good things. Well, listen, it's not just the behavior or your actions, sin. It's not just what we've done or what we do. It's what we are, sinners separated from God. And that separation is real. It's a gulf. It's a, it's a, it's a, a a, a large gulf and gap that is a real gap separation from God and the best that we can do as people one of the things that we try to bridge that gap besides good works and and good moral things is we try things like religion because we think that religion somehow can help us earn favor with God, or we we try to work our way to God. And religion is man's attempt to reach God. Religion is, is man reaching up, trying desperately to bridge that great gap, that great chasm between us and God, trying to reach out. But listen, friend, it falls short every time. There is not one religion that can afford you or I enough works to earn right standing with God. I know that's bad news, but we've got to hear the bad news before we hear the good news. What I'm saying is that's a problem. Listen, friends, religion left my father and mother broken, empty, and still searching because they didn't know. They didn't know that beyond the bad news that there was good news. And the good news is, it's the third point of my message today, is that Jesus Christ is God's only provision for man's sin. And through him, you can know and experience God's love and plan for your life. So the bad news is, is that we're separated eternally from God. Not just because of what we've done, but because of what we are, sinners separated from God. But the good news is, is that God sent his son Jesus, born 2,000 years ago of a virgin, walked this planet earth, lived a sinless life, 
became the sacrifice that you and I deserved on the cross and the, what makes him God's only provision for man's sin is that he is the only one who died in our place. No one else, no other religious figure can make that claim that they died for you, that they died for me. Only Jesus on the cross bore the punishment of God the Father on his body that you and I deserve. The wages of our sin he bore, he took, and that's what qualifies him to be the only way to God is because he died for you and I. Let's go ahead and take a moment and celebrate that for just a second. The Bible says in Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Isn't that amazing? You know, the Bible doesn't say that it was when we got our, our act together. It, doesn't, it didn't say when we, be, when we became more moral or started attending church that Christ died for us. It says that while we were yet sinners or enemies of God, at that moment when we were still shaking our fist at God, cursing at God, hating God, in that state, Jesus died for you and me. Not only did he die in our place, but he's the only one who rose from the dead. That's important. 1 Corinthians, it says that Christ died for our sins. He was buried, and on the third day, he was raised again to life. And just before you start thinking that this is just a spiritual, a sp a spiritual thing that we Christians just believe, no, this is historical fact as well. Not only did he really walk the earth 2,000 years ago and was really born of a virgin and was really crucified on a criminal's cross and buried in a borrowed tomb, but on Sunday morning, he rose again from the dead. Peter saw him, the disciples saw him, Mary saw him, and 500 other eyewitnesses saw the resurrected Jesus walking around Jerusalem for 40 days and nights. This really happened. In fact, if you come to me with Israel, the most, the, the, the one tourist attraction that everybody lines up to see nothing, it's the tomb of Jesus. You want to know why? Because he's not in it. He's alive. He's risen from the dead. It's amazing. He alone is God's provision for our sin and our separation because he's the only one who died for us and he's the only one who rose from the dead. And so friends, listen to me. Only he is the, he is the only way to God. That's a very strong claim, Pastor Juan. Well, I didn't make it. Jesus made it. When he said in John 14, 6, I am, speaking about himself, I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Listen to me. If you don't remember anything else from this message, Please remember this. Jesus is the only way to God, period.
You might say, well, pastor, that's kind of narrow-minded, isn't it? Especially in the culture that we live in today, isn't that a little bit intolerant? To say that Jesus is the only way, it's so much simpler and so much easier to embrace this idea that every road leads to God. And it doesn't matter which road you travel or what religion you choose, that all of them eventually, eventually lead to God. Listen, I get it. It would be in some ways a lot easier to embrace that kind of idea. But Jesus left no such room for us to guess at this. He made it plain that he is the only way to God. I know it's hard, but think about this for just a moment. Just use your imagination. Let's say that either you or maybe someone very close to you was diagnosed with an incurable disease that would ultimately and quickly lead to death. Now, in the world that we live in today, so thankful for medical technology and science research that are committed to the preservation and to the healing of our bodies and saving human life. We've come a long way throughout our history in medical research and science, right? Things before that were, would be deadly if you were diagnosed with, we now have cures for. But we also know that there are some things that they're still trying to figure things out. There are some diseases around the world that if the doctor were to sit you into his office, have you sit down, look you in the eye, and say, you have this disease, it's like a death sentence. Well, imagine with me that that's, that, that's what's happening in this moment, that here you are seated in the doctor's office, and it's just you and the doctor, and he's looking you in the eye, and he's saying, I'm sorry to tell you, you have a deadly, incurable disease. There is no pill, there is no shot, there is no remedy for what you have. Your time is short. What would happen to you and I if we were in that place is immediately we'll start thinking about life, we'll start thinking about eternity, we'll start getting regret. We didn't say I love you enough to the people closest to us. Our lives will begin to flash before our eyes because life is so valuable, it's so limited. But imagine with me if in that place someone walked into the room, another doctor, another physician, and says, I've read your report and I'm here to tell you that I've got good news. We've just invented a pill. It's a brown pill. And we don't, we, we, we're trying to figure out what name to call this pill. We just came up with the name Jesus. It's a brown pill. But our studies have shown that if you take this pill, just one dose of this pill, with a little bit of water, you will be healed of this disease that you were just diagnosed with. Now imagine with me. Imagine with me if that's you. Salvation walks into the room. Healing walks into the room. Hope walks into the room. Wait a minute, you mean just this one pill? This brown pill, I take this, then I'm cured. Yes, that's exactly what we mean. Nobody in their right mind would look at that pill in that position and say, you know what, I don't like taking pills. Do you, do you have like the liquid form of this? No one would say, I like shots. Can you give me a shot of this? Nobody will say that, that's just crazy. No one would look at the color of the pill and say, you know, I don't like the color brown. Yeah. 
I like blue. Can you give me a blue pill? Yellow, I like sunshiny. Can you give me? No one in the right mind would sit and argue about there being another way to be healed, to be cured forever. They would be celebrating that there is a way. And I guess that's just how I feel about God and Jesus. Instead of arguing about how many other ways there are to God, how about we thank God that He did make a way and His name is Jesus. He is the only way to God. Thank you, God, for Jesus. But it's not enough. It's not enough to know these three things that I've just shared with you. I wish it were, but it isn't. It's not enough to know that God loves you and offers a wonderful plan for your life. It's not enough to know that man is sinful and separated from God. And it's not enough to even know and hear the good news that God has made a way through his son Jesus for you and I to have relationship with God. It's not enough to know those three things because here's the last and final point, number four. We must individually receive Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Then we can know and experience God's love and plan for our lives. What am I saying? I'm saying we must receive Christ. We must receive him. John 1.12 says it like, like this, yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. We become children of God. When we're born, we're born sinners. We're born with a sinful nature. Our instincts, our reflexes, our gut reaction is not toward God, but against him. And there is this gravitational pull when we're born towards self versus others and away from God, not toward him. We're all born this way. We're born sinful. We're born greedy. We're born takers. We're born angry. We're born, we're, 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 we're born breakers. We're, we're, we're born takers. We're all born this way. We're born haters, but we must receive Jesus. How do we receive Jesus? We receive Christ through what the Bible calls faith. What's faith? Faith is a gift that God gives people at the moment of decision to be able to receive him as Lord and Savior of their life. It's a gift. In other words, you don't work or earn for your salvation, but it is a free gift that God gives to us through the gift of faith. In fact, Ephesians chapter two and verse eight says it like this, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith and this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. What happens when we receive Christ by faith? We receive and experience a new birth. 
John chapter 3, verse 3 is a very interesting verse because Jesus introduces us to language that for some reason people think that we made it up. I've, I've got, we still have family. Uh, we still have really good family, wonderful family that, that are part of the Catholic Church. I mean, in fact, we have a nun who's, who's been an Ursuline nun for over 50 years. And my wife's background is Catholic. And, and every now and then, the, these Catholic family members, call, they call us the born-again people. And I'm like, well, we didn't make that up. It, it's, it's in the Bible. In, in fact, Jesus used, that's the language Jesus used when he described the miracle of, of us receiving him and coming back to God, right? It's not like we made that up. It, it's, it's in your Catholic Bible too. It's in there. John 3, 3, that's in your Bible. Read it. It's whenever Jesus goes and visits with a man, a public figure at night by the name of Nicodemus. Now, Nicodemus was very religious. He was a moral person. Yet Jesus would look at this moral, religious, public figure and say, Nicodemus, you must be born again. Think about that language. It's a little bit strange at face value because Nicodemus asks a very legitimate question. What do you mean I must be born again? You want me to get back into my mother's stomach and then come back out? Jesus is saying, no, that's just weird. You were already born once. And when you were born that first time, you were born a sinner. I know that you're moral, that you do good things, and you're religious. But see, that's the problem. Because Nicodemus, it's not just you at your worst, that's the problem, it's you at your best. And all of your good works and all of your morality, it's you trying to reach God. That gap is too big. You, there's, there's not enough good you can do. There's not enough giving you can do to charity. You can't be loving enough or religious enough to earn right standing with God. You're not good enough. And you can't earn this and you can't buy this, Nicodemus. And that's the problem for every person that was born. That's why Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. You must be born again because the first time you were born, you were born a hater. You were born broken. You were born a taker. You were born greedy. But when you're born again, Jesus comes into your life and you're born a lover. You're born a giver. You're born as someone that loves God. It's like a, it's a completely new nature that you receive. This is so powerful because I've had people tell me, well, Pastor, you don't understand. I was just born this way. I was born this way. Well, listen, I, I don't, I'm not a scientist, and so I, I don't know about that, but here's what I do know. That's why Jesus said we must be born again because I don't care how you were born, all of us were born broken. All of us were born with a bent, not towards God, but against Him. And we must be born again. If you want right relationship with God, if you want to make peace with God, if you want to restore hope in your life and in your world, the only way to do that is through Jesus Christ. And He's not just interested in modifying your behavior. He just doesn't want to change the way you act. He wants to transform transform your heart, transform your life. God isn't in the business of behavior modification. That's why people don't want any of this stuff. 
The truth is, my dad, the alcoholic, he didn't want to stop drinking. He didn't want to stop doing He didn't want church to change him. You know what he thought about church? He thought that church was for old people, women, and kids. That's it. I don't need it. I don't need religion. I don't need Jesus. I don't need church. I don't need a religion to modify my behavior. Not only do I do what I do, but more often than not, I like what I do. Despite the fact that it was tearing apart his family. He enjoyed moments of sin. He enjoyed it. But see, Jesus is not just interested in modifying our behavior. It's not like come to Jesus if you're a murderer because he wants you to stop murdering. Come to Jesus if you're a cheat so you could stop cheating or if you're a liar so that you could stop lying. Listen, God didn't send his son Jesus to make bad people good. He sent Jesus to make dead people live. We were dead in sin and only through Jesus can we be brought back to life and truly live. That's why we must be born again. God is more interested in transforming your heart and changing your heart and giving you new life than he is in just your behavior and how you act on the outside. Those things come as a natural byproduct of the inward change that God will do in your life. But how do we receive Christ? We receive Christ through personal invitation. Personal invitation. The last scripture that we'll share this morning, I asked you to put a bookmark there. It's found in Revelations chapter 3, verse 20. This is Jesus speaking, and here's what he says. I believe that Jesus is looking at many here today. If you'd quiet your soul enough to hear his voice, you would hear him speaking these words. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. If anyone hears his voice, he will come in. want to take a moment to finish my family story because I left you off that my mom and dad, my mom was getting ready to leave my dad. She began drinking herself and was at the brink of becoming an alcoholic herself to drown away the sorrow and the pain of a husband and a father who was a drug addict and an alcoholic. But just at a very crucial moment in her life, friends that they used to party with they became what we're talking about here this morning. They became born again. They experienced what Jesus was talking about in John 3, 3. Once these friends of theirs that they used to party with came to Jesus, they began inviting my mom and dad to church with them. And my dad wanted nothing to do with church, with Jesus, with religion. Don't bother me with it. But my mom figured that she had nothing to lose. And so she went on a Sunday to a little Hispanic church in Midtown Manhattan, near Times Square. And that Sunday, she gave her life to Jesus. She got born again. 
And she went from being a depressed, broken woman with no hope to now being a wife and a mom who began praying for her alcoholic, drug-addicted husband. And for the first time, she had hope because she had Jesus, not religion. She began praying for my dad and inviting my dad to come with her to church, and my dad wanted nothing to do with it until one day he finally looked at her and said, Lydia, I'll go with you one time, and that's it. Just once. Don't ask me again. Don't bother me again. I'll go with you one time to church, but I won't go again. You'll leave me alone after this one time. And so that Sunday morning, as my father got up, grabbed the Bacardi, Puerto Rican Bacardi rum bottle from the nightstand, took a few swigs, came to church, that small church in Midtown Manhattan, sat in the back row with my mom, and sitting there, Juan Rivera Sr., with alcohol still, still seeping through the pores of his skin, inebriated, he is hearing the message that you're hearing today, that God loves you and offers a wonderful plan for your life, that man is sinful and separated from God, and that Jesus is God's only provision for man's sin, and that you must individually decide. And that morning, my father heard Jesus knocking on the door of his heart. Broken, lost, Wounded, hateful. I mean, did, did God know how much that man hated him and said he wanted nothing to do with him? How lost he was, how broken he was. And yet, while he was still a sinner, Jesus died for him. And so that morning, as Jesus is knocking on the heart of my, uh, the, the door of my father's heart. His heart began to melt. And for the first time, Juan Rivera Sr. realized that he wasn't saying yes to religion. He wasn't saying yes to a church or a denomination. He was saying yes to a real God who had invaded his world in that moment. And when he opened up the door of his heart and he walked down the few steps of that church to the front of that church to receive Jesus, friends, let me tell you, Jesus did a miracle in that man's life, forgave him of his sins, delivered him of alcoholism and drug addiction, and healed his body of the ravages of that addiction. That hole in his esophagus, gone. His liver, healed. Alcohol. For 40 years, he's not touched a drop of alcohol or drugs. See, the world says once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. But I've got one better for you. Come on, somebody. The Bible says he who the Son sets free is free indeed. And that day in that church, Juan Rivera Sr. did not encounter a preacher. He did not encounter a church or a denomination or a religious figure. He encountered God in the flesh. His name is Jesus. And Jesus forgave him of his sin, delivered him from the bondage of addiction, and healed his body. And he could do it for many of you here today if you only want him to and let him. Somebody give him praise for just a moment because he's just that good. 
you want to know where my dad is today he's been married to my mom for close to 50 years and if you take the 45 minute drive to Akron Ohio just go west you will find my dad preaching in his church the same message that his son is preaching here today that Jesus saves and he's the only way to God everyone has a story I have a story and you have a story little did my dad know that the decision he made 40 years ago would so impact the story of his children and like some of you here today Jesus doesn't just want to save you for you no matter how dark the darkness is or how broken the brokenness is in your world, he'll step in and he'll give you a hope and a future. But if you allow God, he'll rewrite the story of your life and of your family and of your world. I shouldn't be here today, let alone doing what I'm doing right now. A Hispanic minority born in the inner city of Brooklyn, low income, with a drug-addicted, alcoholic father, soon to be a broken family. I should not be here, but Jesus. But Jesus. And so in just a moment, we're going to give any person here, every person, the opportunity to experience the miracle of Jesus in fact with every head bowed and every eye closed everyone doing it with no moving around every head bowed and every eye closed and the reason I'm asking you to do this is to not to coerce you or to manipulate you I'm asking you to bow your head and close your eyes simply to just give you privacy because we are stepping into the moment of our time together that is the most sacred. In this moment, right where you're sitting with every head bowed and every eye closed, by all rights, I can take a long time and make the case of why you need Jesus Christ in your life right now. I can talk about your addiction and your sin and your loneliness and your guilt, but I don't need to prolong this moment because in this atmosphere of worship, Jesus is here and he is ready to do a miracle in your life. And when God steps in, listen to me, everything else has to take a step back. So where you're sitting, I'm gonna ask you in a moment, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand, but it's a very different reason than what you think. Unlike any reason that you've ever had before to raise your hand, this one is very specific and listen, very urgent. It will be the single most important reason that you've ever raised your hand in your entire life. Very few things actually affect you for eternity. This is the one. You are about to be offered the gift that you do not turn down. This is the gift that you do not turn down. This is the decision that you never postpone. Right where you're seated, if you look inside of your soul and you can't find proof that God has saved your soul, 
Friend, that's something that must be immediately fixed. If you can't point to a moment where God forgave you of your sin, came into your heart, and changed the course of your life, now is the time for that to happen. So wherever you are in this building, Pastor Juan, I do not want to die and go to hell, and I'm tired of the hell that I'm living in now. I want out, and then I want in. I want into the kingdom of Christ. I want to be a child of God. I want all of my sin, all of my fear, guilt, loneliness, and hatred totally removed. And I want to be forgiven and have a relationship with God. Now, I will pray for you if that's you, but I can't unless you do me this one important favor. And you've got to do this because this is a favor to you. If that's you here this morning, sir, ma'am, right now where, where you're at, Slip your hand up now in Jesus' name. Come on, hands up all over this place. God bless you, ma'am. I see you all the way on the side here in the back. I'm, come on, quickly, put them up, put them up. I see you, I see you. In the back, I see you, young man, I see you. I see you over here on the side. God bless you. See this couple right here. Sir, in the front, I see you. All over this building, from the front to the back, hands going up. Hands going up, or keep them up, keep them up high. Now, if you know you should have raised your hand up a moment ago and you didn't do it, ask yourself why. Why one more time am I gonna get, let the most important decision of my life pass me by? So if you're here and you know you should have joined these others by slipping your hand up, do it now in Jesus' name. Come on, quickly, raise them up real quick, real high. God bless you, I see you, ma'am, that was just for you. Right here too, ma'am, I see you. Come on, you're not alone, you're not alone. You're not alone. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you, sir. God bless you. God bless you. Go ahead and slip your hands down. Slip your hands down. Everyone look at me. Everyone look at me. Here's what we're going to do. I need your undivided attention. And during these next few minutes, I need everyone in this room to understand that we're stepping into the most sacred time of our time together. And we're going to be stepping into miracle territory. So in just a moment, I'm going to ask all of us to quietly stand to our feet. And when we do, those of you that slipped your hand up, I want to pray for you and we're going to pray for you. But I don't want to pray for you from up here. I don't want to just pray for you from all the way up here. I'm going to challenge you that when we all stand up, and many of you that slipped your hands up this morning, when we stand quietly, what you're going to do, those of you that raised your hand, is you're going to get out of your seat and you're going to join me right up front here. In fact, let's do that right now. Let's stand to our feet quietly. Those of you that slipped your hand up, I'm going to pray for you. Come, sir. Come, ma'am. Don't be backward. Don't be ashamed. Come to Jesus this morning. Come on. Come to Jesus. You slipped your hand up. Just come. Meet me right here. Right here. Right here. Right here. Right now. Come. Come quickly. Come quickly. Come on. Just come. Come to Jesus. Just come. Come quickly. Come. Just come. Understand that the quicker you move. Come on. Don't be backward. Just come. Come on, we'll wait for you. Just come. Just come. 
There may be somebody here today and what it feels like is like there's like this big chain attached to your ankle and you're stuck to the floor and you can't move. But in the name of Jesus, I command that chain to be broken and for you to step out of your seat and you come because this is your day of salvation. Today, everything will change in your life. You're not coming to me. You're not coming to a church. You're coming to Jesus, the game changer, the life changer, the heart changer. So come now. Come. Come. Just come. <laughs> Welcome, everybody. You have stepped into a miracle moment right now. In just a moment, Jesus is going to do a miracle in each and every one of your lives. This is the moment where Juan Rivera steps back and Jesus steps in. Because Juan can't save you. A religion can't save you. A church can't save you. Only Jesus can save you. And in just a moment, your lives are going to be changed forever. It's the miracle of being born again. It's the miracle of salvation. It's the gift of God that he's offering you today. And in just a moment, I'm going to lead all of you in a very simple prayer. But listen, this simple prayer has power. And you only need two things to add to this prayer. The first thing you already have it's a gift from God. It's called faith. How do you know you have faith this morning? Because no one would have walked down in front of all these people to this altar if God had not had already given them the gift of faith. And listen, you don't have to feel faith to know that you have faith. I'm telling you, that's a gift God has given you. That's why you're up here this morning. The second thing that you need for this prayer to work is sincerity. Own this prayer. Make it your own. Pray this prayer from the depths of your soul and your heart. Cry out to Jesus and say this out loud with me together. In fact, if you're here, you know you should have been up here, but for some reason you've not made that decision to come down. You're not disqualified. You can pray this prayer from your seat. You could pray it from watching online right where you're at right now. Pray this prayer out loud. Use words. Say this out loud. Say, Father God, here I am today, just as I am. I admit that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Jesus, save me. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. I want to be born again. I believe that you died for me and rose again on the third day. I want to live for you. Come and live inside of me. From this day forward, I will follow you. I give you my life, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Congratulations. 
Congratulations, I love the tears. I love the tears. A couple things. If you have a church home, if Victory Christian Center is not your church and you have a church home already, where you have a pastor who loves you and they preach the gospel and the Bible like we do, when you leave here today, sometime this week, you go back to your home church and you tell your pastor of your decision. And then you serve that pastor and you grow and you learn. But listen, if you don't have a church home, we wanna say welcome home. We love to be your church family. Secondly, one more huge favor, not, not for me, but for you. Here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. I don't want anyone who's up here to leave just yet. Don't leave just yet, but here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. If you can kindly just take three steps backward like this, just take some, some steps backward. There's a reason I'm asking you to do that. We wanna give as much space in between you and this platform as we can. Here's why. Because in just a moment, we're gonna invite our prayer team to come up. And they're gonna come up and at the end of our service, we're gonna give any person that needs prayer for any reason an opportunity to receive prayer. But guess what? This morning, you're our VIP. You're the first ones in line to receive prayer this morning because maybe you wanna receive more prayer from someone this morning that'll pray with you. But not only that, listen to me very carefully. In just a moment, we're gonna bring our prayer team up and every prayer team member is gonna have this packet of information in their hand. And when we dismiss every person that's come up to receive Jesus, a prayer team member is going to place this in your hand and help you fill out this, this, uh, this thing here. This is only so that we can help you as you take your next steps, send you, send you some very critical information. But this packet here, the reason this is important is because what do you do next? Where, where do you go from here? And so you need to get this in your hand. And so before you leave here, in just a moment, we're gonna invite the prayer team up. A lot of people are gonna come down too to receive prayer, not just you, but a prayer team member is gonna place this in your hand and uh, they're, they're gonna pray with you. So stay right where you're at. Here's what we're gonna do. Prayer team, can you come right now? Honey, can you join me as well? So our prayer team is coming. To those of you that have responded and have come to Jesus, you'll never be the same. You'll never be the same. Prayer team, just hold on to these until we, until we pronounce the blessing and we dismiss, and then we'll engage the folks that have come to Jesus. Just hold on to these for just a moment, but let's make sure we get folks right up front here. Come on, fill in this gap right here. Let's, let's scoot in this way and just hold on to these. Prayer team, hold on to these. Don't pass these out just yet. Can I get one person? Can you move right there? There you go. Come on. Love you, Mary. Come on. Let's move in. Our prayer team is here. Listen to me, everybody. In just a moment, we're going to pronounce a blessing over all of you. At the end of this blessing, if you're here and you need prayer for any reason, any reason at all, we want to pray for you. Our prayer team is going to serve those that have responded, but there are other prayer team members that are going to be available to pray for you. You don't have to be a member of Victory to receive prayer. You don't have to be a bad person to receive prayer. We all need prayer. I need prayer. You need prayer. So if you need prayer for any reason, we want you to come at the end of this blessing. Keep your eyes open. Friends and family of Victory Christian Center, may the Lord bless you and keep you. 
May he cause his face to shine upon you. May he be gracious to you and give you peace. May he who neither slumber nor sleeps keep you as the apple of his eye. Watch over you, protect you in every way, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. May he bless your comings in and your going out. Blessed are you in the city, blessed are you in the country. May he bless you at work or at play. May he bless your family. May he bless your children. May he bless your relationships. As you leave here today, leave knowing that God is for you and not against you, that he smiles upon you, that he celebrates and sings because of you, and that it's his heart to refresh you with his love. Now leave in Jesus' name to experience his victory. Amen and amen. Come on, if you need prayer for any reason, just come. We want to pray for you this morning.